And now we have a wonderful opportunity because the, the Kairos moment, the appropriate God-ordained moment in time is here when God is healing these holes in our hearts because of bad fathering that we've had in the earthly realm. So God, first of all, we pray that, Lord, thank you for the work you've done already here, but we pray, God, that you would continue to fill the areas of our souls that have been empty or heal us if we've been wounded and grant us an overwhelming revelation of the amazing love of Father God flowing into us even as His pure, unhindered love flowed into Jesus, Lord. Let that be us too. As we're in Jesus. Thank you, God. Well, the first thing I want to do, I'm going to depart from my, I'm going to depart from my uh, scheduled teaching. Because I think, God, <laughs> yeah, the reason Lynn is lame, Lynn's over here, all that time I made his notes and all that work I put, I'll try to get to it next week, if the Lord permits. But the first thing I want to say to all of you here, and especially, is Keisha here? Keisha Jackson, is she here? Keisha, would you please come up a minute? Keisha. All right. Now listen. I used to think Keisha was spiritual. But last, not last Sunday, because I didn't teach last Sunday, but the Sunday before, uh, we had lunch together, a few of us, and Keisha was one of them after church. And Keisha said to me something like, what did, how did you even say it? What did you say? What did you say to me? You said something to me. What did you say? Come on now. Yes, it was you. You said that to me. You did. You're Keisha Jackson. Yes, it was you. It's on. What'd you say? He had on two different shoes. <laughs> he he preached in two different shoes. <laughs> but it was good because he taught on humility, so it was great. <laughs> true. I did teach on humility. So, now we know Keisha's spiritual gift, imparting humiliation to people. Don't lay hands on me. Huh? Yeah, so look, so this is really cool. So it was true. I'll get to that. But it was really true that that happened. Because, see, I have two sets of sneakers that are very, very similar looking. They're both the same color. And so they're sitting next to each other. And apparently I chose one from one and one from the other to put on. And 
But see, what does this say about those of you who are out there in the listening audience looking at my shoes while I'm giving you the word of God? Well, guys, look today. See? They're the same Keisha. But then I found out, because we had our newcomer meeting on Tuesday night, I found out we had a newcomer come, and this, this guy is like, you know, like young guy, right? Like good-looking guy, and he's like a fashion oriented guy and he had on two different kinds of shoes too so apparently I'm ahead of the curve (laughs) so you're looking at not only a man of God but a man of fashion (laughs) all right So here's what I want to do. I want to I go right to the heart. Based on the prophetic word that Kelly gave and the, and the other words that were coming during the service, I felt like God was really saying what he is saying to us right now. And Actually, it's a follow-up to the word that Titus brought to us. He had a particular emphasis last week when he gave us his excellent teaching on uh, new wine into new wineskins. And he, he emphasized, according to what I remember, he emphasized the need of this church to make sure that we are open in our hearts and in our ways to, to uh, those who are unlike us who would be coming into the kingdom of God and who would be coming to the church. God would bring them to the church and here. And so we, we have been, generally speaking, emphasizing that uh, as we've been talking about preparation for what we believe to be Uh, a powerful new outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming. And I want to say something again about uh, revival. Now, that this, I am going to be talking about revival in some, in some sense, but not what I was going to say in the notes. But I said before, and I think it bears repeating, that I believe that there are two dimensions to revival. Number one, there is, and it's similar, again, to the biblical teaching concerning the kingdom of God. Those of you who have studied the New Testament concerning the kingdom of God will know that Jesus in particular says, and Paul reflects some of this in his writings too, he says, the kingdom of God is here, so the kingdom of God, the fullness of heaven's reality in the earth, comes in the person of Jesus Christ. So the classic definition of the kingdom of God is where God himself in the person of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, rules and reigns experientially on the earth. So when there is a healing of a sick body by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is a breaking in of the kingdom of God. When somebody goes from darkness to light by encountering Jesus and receives him into their life and, and starts to live a new life, that's, an, that's a breaking in of the kingdom of God. When there's a pro- prophetic word that brings people to tears and and revolutionizes their lives and sends them off in a new direction towards God. That's a breaking into the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is here. And I will make the analogy that revival, which is a quickening, to revive means to make alive again. 
So there is, a, there is a making alive again that's going on among us even now. And it has been for some months and some years. And it's intensifying. So, so there is a revival that we're, we're kind of in what we could almost call a river of revival or a continuous revival. And I want a church that's always in continuous revival. But I also believe that historically, revival has come, an outpouring, a fresh outpouring of God into the earth, a breathing of, of God, so to speak, of His Spirit. The word spirit and breath are the same in Hebrew and Greek. So the coming of the Holy Spirit is a breathing of the life of God into something. And so historically, we find that there are times of I used the word kairos moment before. There are times of a particular intersection of heaven's timetable and earth's timetable when something majestic and magnificent from God happens. And the Azusa Street outpouring, turn of the century that produced the Pentecostal movement that is the largest Christian movement all over the face of the earth, that that started with an an outpouring of the Holy Spirit into that little ex-barn, ex-stable type of thing on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. But it was in a moment of time, boom, something hit. And the Spirit of God, the glory, the glory, of, glory is a word that means the outshining of the nature of God. So the glory of God began to shine into this place and began to just pulsate there with the, with the energy of heaven. So there was another kind of life that was flowing there. The same was true of the Welsh revival. This was an astounding type of thing because within the space of a few days, without modern means of communication that we enjoy now, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Principality of Wales in the UK, um, again at the turn of the century. And it hit not only one portion of Wales, but it hit sovereignly. It's as if heaven opened up and God just showered down His Spirit into various parts of, of Wales all at the same time within the space of a few days. And then it spread all through the whole um, the whole nation state, or however we call, whatever we call Wales. So, part of the UK. So, like the kingdom of God, revival is something that's flowing now, and it's something that breaks in in a moment of time in a majestic way. And so we see this happening. Modern revival, this happened also at the Toronto Blessing. It happened down at Brownsville on a particular day Historically speaking, I think it was a Father's Day or a Mother's Day. I believe it was Father's Day of a certain year. As the church was meeting, boom, there came an outpouring. And it's very similar, actually, to what happened at Pentecost. The same kind of dynamic was at work. The same type of pattern that produced this amazing work of God on the earth takes place, generally speaking, there are particular differences to each to each historic outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but, but there's the same general patterns, always preceded by a season of intense prayer pressing into God, where the people of God will press into God. Now, for the 
Pentecostal outpouring. Now I'm picking it back up in my notes here, but in Acts 1 and Acts 2, you find that the church, the 120, after Jesus had ascended, he said, go into Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father they understood to be the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said the baptism, the promised baptism, saturation of the Holy Spirit was going to come. So go into Jerusalem and wait. And they interpreted that term wait as pray. And so they went into a nonstop prayer meeting for 10 days prior to that majestic morning at 9 o'clock in the morning in the upper room at a place in Jerusalem. The upper room was an open air area on the top of a home. And, and it had to be above a place where people were gathering because people gathered, were gathering already when this happened. And they heard this amazing noise from heaven that sounded like a hurricane. That sounded like a rushing, tornadic wind that was flowing in this above this building. And then some translators translated, they saw what, what the people saw, and of course the 120 were part of it. They saw a pillar of fire that came into the space where the 120 were gathered. And they observed, and this is recorded in Acts, Acts 2, that the, this fire pillar wasn't specifically stated, but those who translate it this way make an analogy to the manifestation of God, the theophany, which means the manifestation of God in the Old Testament where he appeared as a pillar of fire. And so the presence of God can be represented. He assumes the, the, uh, the appearance of a pillar <coughs> of fire. And so it is perhaps true, and it's translated in the Passion Translation, in fact, that this pillar of fire came down onto the 120, and then firelets, <laughs> little bits of fire, tongues. They look like tongues or flaming fire. They came and they distributed out over all. So the symbolism of this, the theological symbolism is so important. The, the, the fire of God that, that was with the nation of Israel is now coming upon this fledgling church, this newborn church. And in fact, the fire of God by the power of the Holy Spirit is resting on each individual individually. Corporately, yes, but also individually. And this was a fulfillment of when Jesus said, I'm going to send to you the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. He who has been with you is now going to be in you. So the fire of God came and internalized into every believer. And of course, they began to speak in tongues, a miraculous kind of tongues, different, different form of tongues than Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and uh, 14. Different kind of tongues. This was a miraculous kind of tongues that was actually known languages that were flowing out. And those, of course, who were listening understood that they were talking about the magnificent works of God in languages that they could understand. So this was a, an amazing 
operation of a miracle. So this, this outpouring of God, it happened again a little bit later in the book of Acts. In Acts 4, the same type of dynamic. The church gathered to pray. The scripture says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they began to speak with a boldness. And you know, something I do want to say today, and I don't even know if I'm going to get to the thing that I think the Lord told me I was to preach on because that I abandoned my first thing for. I don't know. I don't know whether I'll do that. Do I have my glasses? I, where do I put my glasses? Where do I put my glasses? There they are! Yes! You guys were just going to let me just look for them for a long time, weren't you? Man. You're all like Keisha. You're mean. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Keisha knows I'm kidding, don't you? <laughs> all right. There's a in um, in Acts four the second moving of of the power of God. There is a a, a, a statement that I want to read to you about an effect of this revival power. And as Kelly was saying, there is this moving of the Holy Spirit that's among us now. And um, this is what the scripture says about the, um, what happened after they prayed. After they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. So, on the first outpouring on the day of Pentecost, there was this mighty rushing wind sound that was quite audible. And, of course, the fire that was quite visible. But here, the manifestation was of a shaking building. And some translators say there was an earthquake that caused the building to shake. I don't know. It doesn't say that. And there are other places in Scripture where when it was an earthquake, they said it was an earthquake. So it may have been an earthquake, but it may have just been that the Spirit of God got hold of the building and caused it to shake. This has historically happened in other outbreaks of the Holy Spirit as well, where literally buildings have shook. But look what happens here. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So same pattern, prayer, some sort of dramatic manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and then there's an effect on them. And it says, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, I want to say something about this because some of you are already moving into the anointing of boldness in your speech. <laughs> some of you are already doing this, but it's going to happen more and more. Do you remember when Jesus said that his disciples were not supposed to worry about what they were to say when they were brought before the authorities? Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit would give them the words that they need at that very time. That is a manifestation of the boldness of God. I want you to know this. This is an otherworldly kind of thing. This doesn't just mean that you feel particularly courageous. It actually means that when you open your mouth, you are flowing in a different kind of heavenly energy, and you're kind of borne along with it as opposed to being fully in control of it. Now, let me say this. Yes, we have control. But when we cede that control over to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to open my mouth, and whatever is going to come out, I'm going to trust it's you, then God has the opportunity to anoint you with a spirit of boldness right there. Now, listen. This is what boldness means. 
The Greek word for this is parisia. This involves more than confidence. It was a free-flowing, unrestrained boldness. It can also mean freedom of speech. It carries nuances that are not easily brought over into English. The person who speaks with parisia will say everything that is on his mind without restraint. Now you might think, well, isn't that a bit dangerous? Well, under the power of the Holy Spirit, it's appropriate. Okay? Now I believe the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that gives you the words to speak what you're supposed to speak in individual witness or maybe standing up. Now these guys stood up in front of crowds of thousands and they opened their mouths and, they, and previously they'd hidden in a room for fear of persecution. And now they're out there publicly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ and calling those who were part of putting Jesus to death to account and causing their souls, as the scripture, to be pricked or, or sharply cut within them. So these guys not only had courage, but they had a confidence that was heavenly. This was beyond just normal human stuff. And some of us... When we are called to stand before people, when we're given an opportunity to speak to people out on the streets where we see someone who's limping along and we go up to them and we say, would you mind if I prayed for you? I'm a Christian and when I pray for people, often God heals. May I pray for you, please? Even the saying of that will be marked with a boldness. Even the impetus to go up and say that to that person is a, res- is a response in you to the boldness of God. Speaks his mind with no restraint, flowing out of his heart with confidence. It involves being frank and honest, hiding nothing and speaking directly to the heart. Most often it is a word used for public speaking. It refers to speech that is not tailored to make everyone happy, but to speak the truth. In spite of what it may cost, it is the courage to speak the truth into the ears of others. Now at a time in our society when truth itself is under tremendous assault... God is going to give his church an anointing of boldness that's going to enable us to speak the absolute truth into the ears of people and they're going to turn to Jesus Christ as a result. Now, it could be a personal witness. It could be a public witness. But don't be surprised if there is a bubbling up of this spiritual energy. But you probably are going to have to step forward in obedience. And then that boldness will hit you. That's usually the way it works. Especially for those of us who have a timidity problem. I've told you before that I was a person who had a great timidity problem. One of the giants that was in my life when I first became a believer was the giant of fear. The other one was rejection. A third one was powerlessness or inadequacy and these things dogged me and they stopped me from going forward and I had to learn by the grace of God and the goodness of God how to overcome them but fear is a force that pushes you back 
and prohibits you from going forward into the things that God wants you to go into. So God, in his obedience, when he, when he speaks to you, he can speak through the word or he can speak by his spirit. He can speak prophetically through another person. And you know that there's a goal that God is setting before you. This is what I want you to do. And sometimes that, that apprehension that God is calling us to something amazing that's too much for us will happen in the very moment. And you guys have experienced this. At a very moment in time, you will, you will begin to experience that that there is all of a sudden, it seems like time kind of slows down and almost stops. And it's like everything is at a point where you know that there's that point of obedience right there. It's right there. And you can choose whether to shrink back in fear or whether to go forward in obedience in that very moment. If you shrink back in fear... You're not going to get kicked out of the kingdom of God, but there will be an opportunity missed for you to advance the kingdom of God. Because if you step into that fear and you will find it's like a porous vapor, if you step into the fear, it will evaporate. And you'll step over onto the other side and there will be the boldness of God. Try it. I can remember, I learned this Early on in my Christian life, when I was a young Jesus person, believer, over in Wilmington, Delaware, we had these Jesus people meetings. And they would be filled with worship, and not too many people felt confident to teach or preach, but, but we knew a little about prophecy. And there would be the times when we would be worshiping, and then, and then, we, then it would kind of come down into a hush. And there were times when I felt the Lord give me the beginning of words that I knew, I'd had enough teaching, I knew that that. I should say that prophetically. It was something, it was a message God wanted the people to hear. But I was bound with fear at the time. And so I would, I would, not, I would not do it. And I would, I would just be there. And there, there, it would be like an eternity of time when that hush was in the meeting. And it was like the whole universe was waiting for me to do something. That's what it felt like. It was a terrible feeling, actually, when I didn't do it. Because then, then when I didn't do it, and in the beginning I more often didn't do it than did do it, I would, I would not do it, and then I would feel like my spirit inside me would shrink up and, and crinkle up like an, a, a piece of, a, of aluminum, foil, aluminum foil that got just crunched up. That's what I would feel like inside. And then you know what God would do, the very same word that I felt I was supposed to give some other person in the crowd would give that word. And I would go, Ugh. Not that loud, not that openly and vocally. But I would go, Ugh. And then I would say, okay, God. So you're allowing that so that I see that what I really had was a word from God. Because I went through what we always go through. Well, is it God or is it me or is it the devil? God, me, the devil. God, me, the devil. God, me, the devil. And by the time I got done analyzing that, the time had passed and somebody else gave the word. But then the Lord, I'll give you this, then the Lord spoke to me through the scripture where Jesus said, if you're a good father, are you going to give your kid a stone if he asks for a loaf of bread or a snake if he asks for what? Fish, thank you. And then the spirit of God spoke to me through that scripture and said, Bruce, 
If you ask me, before you go into a meeting, to give you something from me that you're to give to the other people, don't you think I have the power to give you a loaf and a fish and not a snake and a... What's the other thing? Thank you. So that broke me free. You know what? I decided, I went into me, I said, Lord, from, I'm going to go into this meeting and I'm going to believe that what comes into my mind and my heart that seems like a message that is good to build up the other people, I'm just going to believe that that's from you and it's for them and I'm going to have the courage from now on to just obey you and give it when the time seems right. And I did that. And I've been doing that for decades in my life. And it still results in those moments. I mean, I know you. I love you. I trust you, except for Keisha. And so, <laughs> just kidding. But, but so it's easy for me to speak in front of you. But if I go to another conference and I'm, I'm supposed to speak, and, or I'm in a conference setting and, and it's a lot, a lot of people that I don't know and there's a prophetic word that I feel like I have to give them, I'm, I'm still back in that same place. Where I, ha- I-, I get that moment of time when everything stands still and I feel like I have to speak. But my word to you today, my word to you guys today is that when you take that step, you all recognize fear when it hits you. Look upon fear as an opportunity to obey God. See it differently. Because it's the enemy trying to stop you. So you rise up in your spirit that you're not going to let the enemy have any victory in your life. And instead of shrinking back, you just go into whatever the fear is trying to push you back from. I see a lot of heads shaking. I really want to speak to you in this. It's in that moment of time when courage and bravery from the Lord comes forth. And it's almost taking a blind leap, but you just step into it. Because on the other side, there is that parisia. There is that boldness, that unrestrained freedom of speech that will come upon you and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, whether it's prophetic speech or whether it's witnessing under the power of God. Do you ever notice that when you're witnessing to someone, you can suddenly remember scriptures that you never knew you knew? Isn't that awesome? They just come. Why? Because there's somebody working with you who's greater than you. And he gives you what you need in the moment. And that isn't what I was supposed to say. Or no, I think it was supposed to, what I was supposed to say. But it wasn't what I planned to say. And it wasn't what I planned to say when I abandoned what I planned to say. <laughs> so let's stand together. I think the word this morning to you guys is be prepared to be bold. You know, I... Um, I was praying early in my life and asked the Lord for boldness, and I don't think he can spell. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for you. 
Lord, I thank you for Keisha. Yeah. Lord, I pray for Keisha. The same courage that enabled her to point out my shoe thing. Lord, may you give her your courage to witness the gospel wherever she goes, whatever she's doing, and to preach the word of God when it's appropriate in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for all of us here, every one of us, that we can all be your anointed witnesses. And some of us are called to be evangelists and apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and others who speak before crowds, Lord, or speak before little gatherings, God. And I pray for this body, Lord, that that we would be more sensitive to the coming upon us of your boldness than ever before. And we pray, God, that by your grace, when that fear hits, when that moment of time arrives, when we know we're being called to step into something, that we would go forward and never shrink back in Jesus' name. And I guarantee you in the name of the Lord that when you step into obedience in God, the boldness of the Holy Spirit himself, the Lion of Judah, Jesus himself, would rest upon you, will rest upon you, and you will speak as an oracle of God. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Hold on. Go ahead. Now, let's go ahead. Real quick, um, I feel like the Lord's saying this is the time to say it. We have a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. Her name is Wyndon. Some of you guys know her. And she just has a real courageous, bold spirit that, that we just love, of course. And I was talking to, to Abby about this and yesterday, and she said, that needs to be said, and I feel like this is the right time. There's a trail down um, into the woods from the back of our house, and she loved to hike that trail. And she was out there um, one time with Ian, her father. It was dark out, and she was looking down into the trail, and it was dark. And she said, it's scary. I don't like to be, I don't like to be scared. So she took off, and she ran down that trail into the woods. <laughs> and knowing that he was right behind her, and she'd be fine. And so I just felt like that, that's just such a great example. It looks scary, but we have that boldness in our heart, and we have our Father behind us. Amen. Somebody gave me this prophetic word, and we'll end with this. I was looking at the prophetic picture of a vase on the shelf, and I heard, vessel of honor. What do you do with a precious thing? You display it high up and on a shelf. These vessels weren't in the shape of a vase, but were of human form. These people had broken And missing pieces, there's some artistic representation of this, uh, that, but but these holes were actually places where the glory of God shone through. So, we are wounded healers. We are broken, saved people. And we are vessels who can be used because of God's greatness, not our own. 
So in Jesus' name, we take authority over the spirit of fear. We release everybody in this room from the spirit of fear. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And we declare those, that impartation of love and power and a sound mind upon everyone here. Fear off, in Jesus' name, new creation realities, walking forth in courage and anointed boldness, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes.